Yesterday, a two-hour interview of the Russian Federation's president, Vladimir Putin, was published on Twitter X and a myriad other social media websites. With combined views and impressions estimated at over 100 million already in about one day having passed, the most important clip in my view remains Putin lambasting over the U.S. Treasury's weaponizing of not merely the fiat U.S. dollar, but the very bond market in IOU plumbing that affords us so much global dominance to this present day. To use the dollar as a tool of foreign policy struggle is one of the biggest strategic mistakes made by the U.S. political leadership. The dollar is the cornerstone of the United States' power, but they won't stop printing. What does the debt of $33 trillion tell us about? Uh, current U.S. national debt is actually $34.2 trillion now. Onwards with Putin's points. As soon as the political leadership decided to use the U.S. dollar as a tool of political struggle, a blow was dealt to this American power. I would not like to use any strong language, but it is a stupid thing to do and a grave mistake. Look at what is going on in the world. Even the United States allies are now downsizing their dollar reserves. Seeing this, everyone starts looking for ways to protect themselves. But the fact that the United States applies restrictive measures to certain countries such as placing restrictions on transactions, freezing assets, etc., causes grave concern and sends a signal to the whole world. Do you even realize what is going on or not? Does anyone in the United States realize this? What are you doing? You are cutting yourself off. All experts say this. Ask any intelligent and thinking person in the United States what the dollar means for the US. You are killing it with your own hands. It's not mere coincidence that the last two years, net government central bank gold buying has been the highest in recorded history. Mostly, Eastern nations are large official gold bullion buyers, and they are often now opting for bullion over fixed income securities, where rules can be changed and assets can be frozen seemingly at the whim of the U.S. Treasury and U.S. political establishment. While stock market bulls were excited this week about breaching the nominal record high 5,000 level, many major and regional stocks continue to crater. Global systemically important banks, or GSIBs, have not been immune from stock price pain either. Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, and Deutsche Bank are all down between negative 20 to 30% over the last two years. In a noteworthy move this week, Deutsche Bank closed down nearly negative 8%, given exposure to collapsing U.S. commercial real estate holdings. The Fiat Federal Reserve's Jerome Powell was on CBS's 60 Minutes last Sunday night, getting asked about how many more bank runs, failures, and mergers are coming. The value of commercial office buildings all across the country is dropping as people work from home. Those buildings support the balance sheets of banks all across the country. What is the likelihood of another real estate-led banking crisis? I don't, think, I don't think that's likely. We looked at the larger banks' balance sheets and it appears to be a manageable problem. There's some smaller and regional banks that have concentrated exposures in these areas that are challenged. And, you know, we're working with them. You believe it's a manageable problem? I think it we're appears to be. We're not going to see bank failures across the country as we did in 2008. I don't, I don't think there's much risk of a repeat of 2008. Certainly there will be some banks that have to be closed or, or merged out of, out of existence because of this. That'll be smaller banks, I suspect, for the most part. Powell's hope that bank failures stay in smaller banks is not really reassuring as BIS GSIB supranational laws call for major haircuts on unsecured depositors if and when another major commercial bank fails. 
Wall Street on Parade writes, quote, according to FDIC, as of June 30th, 2023, there were 4,645 federally insured commercial banks and savings associations in the United States. Uninsured deposits of all 4,645 institutions totaled $7.134 trillion at the end of the second quarter. But according to call reports filed by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup Citibank, as of June 30th, 2023, just those four banks accounted for $4.185 trillion of uninsured deposits, or 59% of all uninsured deposits, of all uninsured deposits amongst the 4,645 federally insured institutions. So many uninsured depositors are herded into a few too-big-to-fail banks without seemingly little to no regard for current GSIB laws agreed upon by the G20 nations since the start of 2015. Powell, at the very least, admitted that the Federal Reserve failed as a U.S. bank regulator last year. Just last year, there was a panic at the 16th largest bank. A Federal Reserve report blamed bank mismanagement, but also inadequate supervision by the Fed itself. You seem confident in the banks, and yet the Silicon Valley Bank, second largest failure in U.S. history. Did the Fed miss that? So, yes, we, uh, we did, and we forthrightly uh, saw that we needed to do better. So we've spent a lot of time working on ways to make supervision more effective and also to, to, to adapt regulation to a, more, to a modern context in which a bank run can happen so much faster than it could have even 20 years ago. Another economic hangover after the pandemic is a sharp increase in the national debt. 30 years from now, it is projected to be $144 trillion, or $1 million per household. How do you assess the national debt? We mostly try very hard not to comment on fiscal policy and, and uh, you know, instruct Congress on how to do their job when actually they have oversight over us. But is the national debt a danger to the economy, in your view? In the long run, the U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. The U.S. federal government's on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. I have the sense this worries you very much. Over the long run, of course it does. You know, we're effectively, we're borrowing from future generations. It's time for us to get back to putting a priority on fiscal sustainability and and sooner is better than later okay well under current policies u.s budget deficits are set to exceed 3.5 trillion within the next 10 years that estimate doesn't take into account any potential recessions wars or depressions here to there stick around on the other side of this short break we're going to look at a few outspoken western and eastern analyst expectations for gold and silver in 2024 We'll examine where and why poor man's gold is beginning to be preferred over gold itself. And why even in the face of record nominal price high levels locally, Chinese gold bullion buying is currently near record high levels in demand, premiums paid above spot, and recent exchange withdrawal volumes. Hello, this is James Anderson on behalf of SD Bullion. Smash the like button if you enjoy these Bullion market updates. Subscribe to our channel here for weekly Bullion market updates with exclusive Bullion service offerings like this one. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. We're now down 43%. This could be the most serious recession in decades. Protect your retirement with gold and silver IRAs. Learn more at sdbullion.com backslash IRA. 
The silver and gold markets this week traded flat to slightly down respectively. The spot gold price finished its 12th week in a row above the important $2,000 an ounce price consolidation and coiling. More on that in a minute. Meanwhile, the spot silver price finished sideways, basically flat under 23 an ounce. With the spot gold-silver ratio dipping to 89 as a result of gold's relative trading weakness this week. When it comes to the current price level of gold above 2,000 an ounce for 12 weeks in a row, I polled premier watchers of our very own SD Bullion market update last Friday asking viewers at the time if we will again see the spot gold price dip below 2,000 an ounce to come. The result was about 50% saying no and about 50% saying yes. This week, macroeconomic analyst Luke Groman was interviewed on the Big Tape podcast. Here's his take on where gold goes by the end of this year, 2024. But in 2022, central banks bought, and don't at me if I'm off by a ton or two, I think 1,171 tons of gold, roughly $70.3 billion. I thought they were going to surpass it in 23. They did not. They fell a little bit short, but effectively, the same amount of gold has been purchased by central banks in 23 as they did in 22. Here we are in 2024. You wouldn't know it by the price, although it's hung in there rather well, I would submit, given the fact that we've seen yields move and the dollar move and all those different things. Does gold have its day in 2024? I think yes, uh, because I think the dollar is, they're gonna have to run this machinery of regenerating liquidity to keep control of the long end, to keep all the balls in the air of entitlements, defense, interest in a in a in a uh, uh, an election year in particular, and so I think we see a, a weaker dollar through not not radically so, but a weaker dollar through 2024, and I think the Fed stops hiking and probably cuts a few times, and and I think that ends up being really good for gold. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see gold, you know, mid, uh, you know. 2500, 2600 at some point later this year. Singaporean UBS analyst Jovi Tevez made headlines in Western financial media this week regarding silver's coming valuation gain potential. She followed the very next day, stating this on Bloomberg TV. Right, you cover precious metals. Obviously, we, we talk a lot about gold, but there's also silver, palladium. What do you, where do you have the most conviction now among the precious metals? Actually, gold is probably kind of the, the cleanest play right now, but there are the other precious metals can have sort of a positive spillover from uh, uh, move higher in gold prices. And silver and platinum are probably the ones that um, can benefit most from a move higher uh, in gold, particularly because they have been lagging um, the, the, the price action quite a lot um, over the past year. Her respective takes on silver 2024, left-hand side, is not all that, quote, dramatic, as the CNBC headline misled onlookers to believe. Her take on platinum in 2024 on the right-hand side is nothing outrageous, especially as platinum threatens to overtake competing palladium in price and with its potential coming demand under physical supply deficits ongoing. China's industry-known rating of NYMEX platinum warehouses following the COVID-2020 spike is likely being attempted in silver as well. The trouble is almost half of the right side of the COMEX fractional silver warehouse reserves are reportedly unsecured silver, supposedly backstopping the world's largest ETF. 
The fact that registered available for delivery piles of silver on the comics have shrunken over the last few years is just further evidence that the physical silver world has undergone silver supply deficits over the past five years as demand has outstripped annual new mining and scrap supplies. While this 2020s silver supply deficit is projected to continue into the 2030s, a look back at the 1990s version is here, which ultimately resulted in the silver spot price nominally multiplying about 10 times in price in the decade that followed. Now, judging by the fact that silver bullion buyers in China are at the moment paying premiums for wholesale silver bullion bars at spot plus 12% price premiums, it's obvious traders and manufacturers in China see great value and are currently willing to pay up to $2.79 an ounce over spot for large industrial sized silver bullion bars currently. This week, Chinese Lunar New Year festivities kicked off with reports around the world of seemingly insatiable appetite for gold and silver related item buying of late in China. This week, Bloomberg reported the following. China is reeling from ongoing turmoil in its economy and equity market. Deflation is so bad that consumer prices just recorded their fastest rate of declines since the global financial crisis. The angst seems to have made it to President Xi Jinping, who this week unexpectedly ousted the head of his securities regulator in the wake of the nation's $5 trillion stock route. All the fallout in China has probably left mom and pop investors feeling a little bit poorer and angrier after losing money and faith in stocks, property, and nearly every conceivable domestic asset class. But there is one that's holding up, gold. Bullion and silver in all forms have become the hottest investment for Chinese despite international prices trading just a tad off their all-time highs. Retail sales of gold, silver, and jewelry hit a six-year high in December. That same month, home prices fell, the most in almost nine years, while Chinese stocks kept a third year of losses. Total gold demand hit a record last year and expected to again this year, according to an industry group, as the Fed moves toward cutting interest rates. Investors typically want to own gold in a rate-cutting cycle as it benefits from lower treasury yields and a weaker dollar. Spot gold, which recently traded near 2032 an ounce, peaked at 2135 in December 2023. Here's a chart. You can see gold and silver sales on retail level for jewelry, etc. Uh, have been hitting six-year highs. Article goes on, investors are naturally moving to relatively conservative assets like gold, says Zhang Ting, an analyst with Shishun Twenlo, I can't pronounce that bank. Anyways, he goes on, the outlook for Chinese property and stocks is very weak. Business Times followed up this report by stating the lack of alternatives and the fact that it's becoming a lot more difficult than it was a few years ago to get your money out of China and invest elsewhere. I think that's definitely helping gold. Demand is pretty decent considering where the price is. Channel News Asia had the following report on how younger Chinese are now the biggest buyers in the world's biggest physical gold market. Shuibe in Shenzhen is the largest wholesale jewelry market in China. Market. 然后我觉得这也是未来黄金市场一个年轻化的一个趋势吧。People under 35 are now the biggest buyers of gold, accounting for more than half of all consumers. Thailand was reported this week as having a large uptick in gold demand in 2023, and that's not a surprise if one simply takes a quick gander at their local fiat currency Thai bot price, getting smoked by gold's ongoing value. What is also of importance here remains the simple axiom of where gold goes, silver eventually follows on the right-hand side. 
Now we're gonna to swing to Northern Africa and the longtime gold and silver saving culture of Egypt. Apparently now gold is locally being increasingly shunned by common physical buyers, opting for silver as the better value purchase. As you can see, even with this understated official exchange rate, long-term gold chart and silver chart in fiat Egyptian pounds, where gold went, silver followed. Locally in the real world, we can multiply these charts by more than twofold as the real street level exchange rate has recently spiked to over 70 fiat Egyptian pounds to one fiat US dollar. Here's Reuters this week on why silver buying in Egypt is growing versus gold. Silver has become the new gold in Egypt, and it's a sign of the country's economic crisis. Traditionally, Egyptian women receive gold jewelry for their engagement, but with surging prices and a weakening currency, many are receiving silver instead. This shop owner says people have also opted for silver as gifts for newborns too, another tradition where gold was once the norm. In January, the price for a gram of 21 karat gold rose more than 120 percent, to the equivalent of about $126. At his family's shop, Rami Zarin says his family has traditionally relied on silver because they believe it's more stable. He can't afford gold anyway. Those who can have turned to foreign currency or property. But that's out of reach for most Egyptians. Roughly 60% of the country's population of 105 million is estimated to be below or close to the poverty line. Inflation is spiking above 30%. The currency has weakened 50% against the dollar, with more devaluation to come. A similar growing silver buying phenomenon occurs in virtually every culture whose fiat currency goes through durations of rapid devaluations. To think we are immune in the West to a kin happening is exceptional foolishness. So take advantage of relatively low spot prices and premiums while they last here in the Western world. That will be all for this weekly SD Bullion market update. As always to you out there, take great care of yourselves and those you love. If you enjoyed this video, hit the like button and share it with those you love. Subscribe to our channel and hit that alert button so you know when we publish new bullion market updates.